Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time for Talking with TD. Touchdown, Tennessee! The latest on the two-tone blue with ESPN's Teron Davenport. Put up a shut-up term. This is Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. All right, all right, all right. We are back. After a tough loss by the Titans to the Bills, but hey, we still have some shop to talk. I appreciate each of you for tuning in to Talking with TD. Calvin Smith over there making things happen, moving the switches, checking the monitor. We are here, and it's another week, another opportunity to talk to you. I want to give you guys some of my takes and where I'm coming from after a 14-7 to Disgusting, ugly, bad-looking loss to the Bills. And you know what? First things first. Ooh, I'll say this. The Buffalo Bills fans, they traveled pretty well. They came, and uh, I, I get it, Titans fans. I, I really I get it. Seeing a team score seven points and lay an egg for the second time in a row at home, is not something that's attractive. But keep coming out. Keep coming out. It's going to turn around, and you know where to get your tickets from, TennesseeTickets.com. You get zero hidden charges, hidden fees. What you see when you click the purchase button is what you pay. That being said, the Titans are on the road this week, but they'll be back next week. Got the Chargers coming to town in uh, week seven. However, We still have to put a ball around week five and take a look at week six. We're going to start with the defense, and I will say this. What more can they do? I mean, really, what what more can the defense do? They've done an excellent job of keeping a bad offense in games. I mean – They got seven points from the offense twice. 13 on another occasion, I believe it was. What more can they do? Looking at this Bills game, all right, we say, okay, you know, you got to get after the quarterback. Harold Landry says, no problem. I will get my fourth sack, and I will do my best to live up to TD's prediction of double-digit sacks. Reggie Gilbert, the RZA, the diesel RZA, he has the same opportunity to go out and make plays, and what does he do? He gets a sack. They're getting after the quarterback. Oh, what, you want a turnover? Yeah, no problem. Kevin Byard, the mayor of Murfreesboro, cashed in, gave you a turnover, even on your side of the field. What more can you do? What more can they do? They went out there and they got after Logan Ryan had a sack too, by the way. No DB has more sacks going back to the beginning of 2018. No DB has more sacks than Logan Ryan, who coincidentally has more than a lot of teams themselves. So I think Logan Ryan is obviously, you guys know what I think about him. He's a really good DB, but they were using him on the blitz. He was getting Josh Allen off his off his block, you know, uh, off his spot rather, and making a move, step up in the pocket. He even forced him to rush a throw. 
I, I don't really know what more the, the defense has to do. I mean, when you look at this, okay, you want you want to keep them, right? One of the gripes the first three weeks of the season, what, what were we griping about? Well, listen, they can't continue to give up points on the first drive by the offense. Zero points in the first quarter. But, unfortunately, the Titans offense gave them zero points in the first half. <laughs> I mean, what the crap? <laughs> I, I don't know what more they have to do. I think they did a really good job defensively. Now, obviously, this week there's going to be a, another challenge. The Broncos' offense is, I know they're not top 10 or anything like that, but they're full of weapons. But before we move on to that, we we got to get you the play breakdowns, right? This week you get buy one, get one free on defense. You know what I mean? I talked about Harold Landry. And I, I talked about my prediction. And it's funny because I did predict double-digit sacks. I, I'll admit, week three, I'm like, uh, let me get my Deion Sanders on the backpedal. But <laughs> I'm right back to staying in phase as a defender. I think he's going to get 10 sacks. We talked about the moves that he's developed. Well, on this sack that we're about to go to, he just used one of the moves that he's perfected. Check out Harold Landry talking about his sack of Josh Allen. All right, so kind of take me through what's, what's going on in this play here. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm really anticipating the snap. Uh, I saw that Josh was, you know, he was making some type of check, and then he was trying to get the ball. The play clock was winding down, so I kind of knew that he was about to try to hurry up and snap it. So I was able to get a great get off, be able to bend, turn the corner, and there it is. So. I know you worked on additional moves, but this is probably one of your perfected moves. Why is it that you're able to do so well, dipping your shoulder and bending like this? Just get off first and uh, ankle flexibility. Uh, I think I think ankles play a big part in being able to bend the corner. If you can point your foot towards the corner and be able to bend that way, I think that'll help you out tremendously. So, yeah, just ankle flexibility and exposure. And then looking at this rush, because I've seen guys that come from the outside like that, they end up eight to nine yards deep, but you're like six or seven. How do you manage to not allow yourself to get too deep and still be able to come around and close like that? I think it's just with, with reps. I mean, some tackles are able to, to stay on your hip, and then that's when you got to know that you got to be able to counter back with a spin or some type of hump move or something like that. Um, and right here, I just saw a clear lane to the quarterback. Cause, like I said, I had a good first, good ankle bend, and I was able to turn the corner to get the sack. One of my bold predictions was double digit. I actually said 10, 10 sacks minimum for you this year, I expect. Uh, that's what I predicted. Um, you're almost halfway there. The sacks come in bunches. Why is it that for pass rushers, the sacks tend to come in bunches like that? Uh, I don't know, man. It's just when you're high, you're high. When you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Uh, just like any 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 great player, man. Like when you get in that groove, you just feel unstoppable, and they just they just happen. Like you can't force it; they just happen naturally. So you're hot, and you're in that groove right now. Uh, I just feel like you know I'm, I'm improving each week, and I just feel like I, like I don't have a, a number for you, but like each week I just try to go out there and just affect the game as much as possible. Thanks, man. So that was Harold Landry, and <laughs> I don't know, man. I always say Baker Mayfield talks too much, but I, I wouldn't mind having Landry hang out with Baker. You know what I mean? It would be nice to hear him say, you know what? I woke up this morning feeling dangerous. Or he hinted at it, right? Being in the zone and feeling unstoppable. Either way, that was a really good rush that he got there. I'm glad he is uh, coming into form. 
He was able to really get to the quarterback. And I I had to ask him about keeping his his pass rush from getting too deep because that's something you see. They do that to guys like Landry all the time, those guys that get off the ball and, and, and beat them, frankly, off the ball. They just hit them with that, that club, whop, and then ride them eight to ten yards outside of, you know, beyond the quarterback even, and next thing you know, they ran themselves out of the play. Landry didn't do that. That's what we call cornering. He did an excellent job of that. Another guy who actually runs that 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 edge and kind of bends really well, and it's funny because I watched him over and over again in drills. Uh, especially It was pregame uh, Jacksonville. I watched him on that one, and, and I mentioned the drill with him, the tennis ball drill, where they would have him run, run that hoop and then – reach down to grab the tennis ball and that helps that naturally makes you condense because you got to bend to grab the tennis ball works on the bend we got reggie gilbert coming into the house aka the diesel rizza check him out well from the conversation we had just uh, about his sack as well first before we even get started they got a tight end blocking. Right. How personally do you take that, man? Yeah, I mean those those, those are matchups that you definitely gotta you gotta win. You know, like uh, those guys aren't really used to used to blocking us. So whenever you get a matchup like that, you definitely gotta win. So let's go through the play. I mean, what's what's happening here on the play? Okay, so it's, it's play action right now. So initially, the, the setup point is going to be a little deep. And so uh, first coming up, I'm thinking run first, but then the way the tight end he set me, you know, I, I, I feel like that I can transition to a pass rush, and I was able to swipe his hand and turn the corner and get to the quarterback. Now, when you look at the end zone view, one of the things, just in watching you when, like when you first got here, one of the things I saw you work on a lot, you had that tennis ball, you're running that, that edge, and then you're right. scooping the tennis ball. How does that transfer to this? this play right here? Um, I feel like that, that definitely, uh, that just helps you like close off the rush. As you can see, once I got his hands, I was going to dip my shoulder and, uh, you know, in mean, essence, pick up that tennis ball and turn the corner and get to the quarterback. Well, what's the secret to being able to dip your shoulder like that and keep your balance and kind of run sideways, so to speak? Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like it's definitely uh, just like as far as like it's something that you got to work on. Uh, you know what I mean? That, that's definitely a part of my game. But I feel like that you know what I mean. Worst my strong point is that I have I have a pretty good bend around the edge, so I definitely try to use that as my ability. How much does ankle flexion come? To some guys refer to that as a reason. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all that's big. You know, you gotta have good flexion, your ankles, good flexion, and then the, the knees and hips as well, be able to turn that corner. So that's all good. And then the last thing with DP's scheme, it's a complex scheme. Uh, you play for, you know, Coach Capers over there, and then right. that, uh, Patton, I believe it was. Yeah, Patton, yeah. How did that preparation, like, how did, does that transfer, you know, being in that same 3 4 type of look? Yeah, as far as the jobs and what, what they're asking me to do, uh, I mean, I'm not doing anything here that I wasn't asked to do for in my previous team. So, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of things over there uh, with Coach Patton and then, so we do a lot of things here. And so it is a more of a, more of a matter of just, like, um, getting terminology down, you know what I mean, with this defense. And so uh, I'm pretty excited for it. You know, I just can't wait to keep going out here and going to work with these guys. Best formula for a pass rusher, and, and I, that's why I wanted to ask him about that. It's It just really boils down to see ball, get ball. Let me see the passer and go get him. Don't have me get overly concerned about having to drop. Don't have me worried about, you know, playing run defense because, in all honesty, one of the approaches I like that true pass rushers take is they play they play the run. They play run defense on the way to the quarterback. 
You know what I mean? And you'll hear, and actually uh, Reggie said it, and then last week Jarrell Casey said it, about how they're rushing the passer and they kind of convert from run defense into pass rush mode. So just a little tidbit, you know, we like to bring you. But when we look at this Broncos offense, a couple things stand out to me, man. And, you know, I'm going to start off looking at the running backs, Royce Freeman and Phillip Lindsey. I tell you what, Lindsey isn't a special back, but he's the type of back that rarely gets negative yards. And one of the things I really like about him is he's one cut, I'm getting upfield. That's his mindset. He had a couple nice runs against the Chargers. I watched him against, um, who else did I watch him against? The Jaguars as well. But that Chargers game specifically, the Broncos got off to a, a, a beautiful start, man. You know, right off the bat, um, they hit, I, I forget who it was he hit. I think it was like a 12-yard game. But then Lindsey, his first two carries, the, the second and third time he touched the football, 33 yards. And on one of them, he had a really nice, like, that's the other thing about this Broncos team. They, they use a fullback. They use that fullback, 32, Andy Jan- Janovich. And that dude is a warthog, man. I'm trying to tell you. What made me think of him was that third run where he came across the formation and he just took out the defensive end. And it, it was a little congested for uh, Philip Lindsay, but he was able to bounce it outside. It was a nice game. And those are the type – I think it was a 21-yard gain on that play. But those are the type of things that he brings to the table. And they'll bang it inside with Freeman too. You know, and one of the things that, that you see them also do is they'll go and shotgun. They'll have the run the good old Madden play. I remember I used to use this play in Madden 95. Shotgun, quarterback, you have a running back on each side, and they will run just like flare routes. Just flare out for me, and I, I'll pick who I want to go to, dump it to you. you. You get me some free yards, and we'll make it work. That's something that the Broncos use, except for – what they did a few times was have the running back just come up in front of Flacco for any type of extra leakage that seeps through the defense, uh, through the offensive line. I thought that was a pretty good play that they did. So that's uh, you know one of the ways that they're able to use the different formations, different personnel. They also use 13 personnel. And one of the things that I like with them as far as using 13 personnel is they find ways to still – get Cortland uh, Sutton the ball, even though he's the only receiver out there. They use a lot of max protection. They find different ways to get him isolated. And uh, one of the plays, they actually they did that, and they had him run a slant, and it, it was off of play action. It wasn't an RPO, but it was almost like an RPO, but they had him run the slant. It was very similar to the play that A.J. Smith, or excuse me, A.J. Brown had that 55-yard uh, touchdown against the uh, the Falcons on. So that's something to watch, man. Then they move Sutton around the formation, too. You'll see him work in the slot. They do different route combinations to get him the ball across the middle on the deep post. They even they run a corner route with him. They had trips on, on one of them. Was it trips? I think it was trips. Yeah, they had trips on, on, on one time I, I saw them, and they, they used uh, like a divide concept where they had to dig – Pulse over top, and they wanted to get him the football. They had Manny Sanders running the dig. So there are a lot of things that they like to do. And uh, Manny Sanders is a playmaker, too. I know he's like 75 or whatever, but he is a guy that can still line up on the outside and make things happen. In addition to that, 
Uh, they, they use number 11, Spencer, a lot of gadget plays. You'll see him running the, the jet motion. You'll see him do counters and things like that to get him to football. Uh, he'll run jet motion and, and bow out, and then they'll they'll fake the, the dive and pitch it to him. He's their gadget guy. Another person that I want to talk about is Noah Fant. And, boy, I tell you, <laughs> those Iowa tight ends, man, they, they do the thing, man. But when you look at Fant, they, they use him in that 13 personnel package. They also use him in, in another look where they they you see him run trips, right, and then tight end on the opposite side by himself. And just it's just an opportunity. Fant against a lot of linebackers is a favorable matchup for the Broncos. I don't know about Mr. Jayon Brown. Uh, I think that is a favorable matchup for the Titans, but expect to see – Fant and Jayon Brown going at it in different isolated situations. That's something to watch. And then one of the other things they do, and old John o. Smith caught one uh, last week, you know, the tight end screen. They like to run that play action to, to one side and then come back to the tight end, leaking right right out into the screen, dump it to him, and let him make something happen. Fant had a 28-yard touchdown that way. So they'll do different things to, to get the ball to the tight end. One thing that we have to note, Joe Flacco, he tends to prefer the tight end. Now, granted, right now, Cortland Sutton is their leading receiver. He has 27 receptions, and we're talking about for 401 yards, so uh, three touchdowns as well. So let's not get it twisted. He's he's the guy in the passing game, but watch out for the tight end. Flacco, if you look back to Todd Heap, you go to Dennis Pitta, he's always loved going to tight end. So definitely – Watch how that develops. The play action is another thing. Flacco is very good at play action. He's the type of quarterback he likes to stay on schedule, right? You, you don't see him really uh, moving within, not within the pocket, but breaking the pocket and scrambling to throw the ball. He's, I'm going to go through my reads. If it's not there, I'm going to tuck it and take off. But when I say go through my reads, I'm talking about go through three and four reads. So that's pretty much what we have to say about the offense uh, going against the Titans defense. We're going to go ahead to a break, and we'll be right back to look at the Titans offense. This is Corey Davis. Are you talking with TD? Back from the break. Bob, your head to this. All right, talking with TD, we just went through the defense and discussed some things about the Broncos offense. So now it's time to flip the switch. We'll go – to the Titans offense and talk some stuff. Although we did talk some stuff about the Titans offense, but uh, we'll talk some stuff about the the Broncos defense as well. And just kicking things off, red zone. That is an area that has to improve. I, I think when you get into the red zone three times and you come away with seven points, that is mind-boggling. It's to use – a Marv Levy phrase, that is unconscionable. It really is. So they have to find a way to score points in the red zone. I get it. I know there were nine points left on the board, um, two of which came in, you know, within, well, close to the red zone. But either way, they need to score points, especially when you're getting the ball on your side of the field. I think what they put out last week was definitely unsatisfactory. You had a couple things happen as far as the the protection up front. The TE game 
continues to happen to, to this defense. You're seeing the tackle and defensive end just continue to exchange spots. They're, they're looping. They're playing those games, and it's working. This goes all the way back to the Steelers game. If you guys remember when the Titans and Steelers played in the third preseason game, Stephon Tua had two sacks in, in the first half. But that first sack he got, as a matter of fact, it was a safety. Let me tell you, man, that that exchange ended up impacting Saffold and Ben Jones, if I remember correct. Yeah, it was Saffold and Ben Jones. And I just, for the life of me, they have to fix it because it continued to happen. You saw it happen in Jacksonville with Clayus Campbell and, and Yannick Ngakwe. Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson did it yesterday or Sunday, excuse me. And one of the things that's happening is the the end on the outside. He's crashing in, and he's really he's basically taking out the guard. And then the tackle is looping around, and it's just a miscommunication as far as how they're supposed to defend that. Now, I, listen, I've asked Ben Jones about it. I asked uh, Roger Saffold about it. I asked Dennis Kelly about it. I had a long talk with Saffold on Monday, and let me tell you, Saffold, you could tell this situation is really bothering him. So for all you guys, like when I post a video and, and a guy's not upset enough, Saffold is a guy who I will say, now shame on me for not getting the video, but I will say Saffold is definitely being impacted by this. I had talked to him afterwards, and I just said, hey, man, when Big Whit, Andrew Whitworth, when, when Whitworth came to L.A., what were some of the things you guys did? Because here we have an established veteran, albeit a tackle, coming joining a new group of guys, and the, the transition was pretty smooth. Obviously, a veteran guard and Saffold joining a new group of guys here has not been that way. It's something that Saffold feels is fixable. But I asked him, like, what what was it? And he he said just continue to work together and learning how to put their own flavor on things. So uh, f- for me, when I look at it, I think it's just time. Unfortunately, this is a team that doesn't have time, right? So it- it's going to take that, though, for and especially now with Taylor Lewan being in the mix. And it goes back to a blow the whistle, one of the first blow the whistles, when we blew the whistle and we called out Mike Vrabel for too many what? Maintenance days of Roger Saffold. Why? Because you need time to do what? to communicate and develop that type of chemistry to be able to go against TE games and the different things that are required to stop a defense from getting to your quarterback and annihilating him. Talk to Taylor Lewan about this. And I tell you, like I said, I talked to multiple guys. This answer from Taylor Lewan I felt was the best answer. Let's hear what Taylor had to say. For, for the, the situation with me and Roger, it's just about me and Roger getting together and, um, you know, working our technique, we really haven't had any time to uh, work the two of us on the chemistry of our, our side of the offense line, and we both spoke about it on, on Monday and knew that we have a lot of work to do, the two of us, to figure out where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are individually to make us as a unit better. And, um, you know, I think um, I could have done a better job of, of flattening the DN coming down, and then okay. Roger could have, he would have peeled off and got the tackle, and we could have probably saved it. Um, but at the end of the day, I got I to gotta get that guy and knock him down. I was a little too wide. 
And so it's, you know, taking responsibility for the things you've done and, and, and working hard to make sure that you don't do those things. So that was Taylor Lewan, and he's right. He's right. But to see, the thing that I like is accountability, recognition, and action, right? Those are the three things that he's, he's, he's showing here. He's taking accountable, accountability for the, the error. He recognized what the error was, and he's delivering a way to fix it. That's what I'm talking about. I don't expect the TE stunts to be something to continue to bother them. However, it is something that I wrote about the free agents, right? I wrote about Roger Saffold, Adam Humphreys, Cam Wake, and Kenny Vaccaro categorized as a free agent because he was that. Obviously, they brought him back. But there are some things in that article that you'll you'll see as far as Saffold and, and what's troubling him. Because it's not just the stunts. That spin move, Lorenzo Alexander, I talk about Manny Sanders being 75. Well, if Manny is 70, 75, Lorenzo Alexander is, is 81. Because both of those guys have been in the league for a long time. But he looked very young in that spin move. And he got to the quarterback that way. And then a bull rush. Jordan Phillips, my goodness, my God. He hit Roger Saffold with a bull rush, and it it wasn't good. And it's crazy because you don't expect – all right, the spin move, that's one thing. Okay, you know what? I get it. Guys will hit you with a spin move, and, you, you know, sometimes they just set you up, blah, blah, and, and you're in the spin cycle. It happens. But one thing you don't let happen is you don't let somebody bull rush you. The thing that's doubly frustrating about that, the Patriots – had a guy that that did that uh, was a rookie that gone Byron Coward hit it with the bull rush and I listen it can't happen. Roger Saffold is known for his play strength. Those things can't continue to happen. But when things do go well, you see big plays. Johnu Smith, I think, is a big play type of tight end albeit, you know, kind of the Robin to Delaney Walker's Batman. However, he is a big play. He had the biggest play on offense for this team against the Bills. So I want to go ahead and get into that. Had a chance to sit down and talk shop with, with John. And anytime I could do that, man, that's I, I really like John Smith. You know what I mean? So it was good to sit down. Let's hear what he had to say, man, breaking this thing down. So we got the 57-yarder. I thought it was really good how you showed your speed, man. It was impressive. You beat a couple angles on that as well. So just start from this motion from Corey Davis. You know, uh, he's motioning away from where you're going to go. Uh, how did that help set up that play for you? Um, it, uh, you know, we, I don't want to get into too much scheme, okay. but, you know, we, we, run the, we run the ball that set a lot. Um, um, do a lot of play pass stuff. So, uh, you know, that's evident. That's on film. But, um, you know, it, it was a... A great call up, you know, by, by, by Art. You know, we dialed it up, uh, great. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was it was, it was part of the, just the, the magic plan, man. <laughs> a part of that magic plan here yeah. is being able to hold hold your water, so to speak, with that block. You know, before you release, was that yeah. what you have to do? Yeah, so that was um that was one of the probably the most important part of the the, the catch and run was was that block right there. Um, I had to sell, uh, you know, I had to sell run and get him running up the field. And, um, you know, that's what I did and uh, caught it and 
So you get had to ball, make something happen. You get the ball in your hands. What, what's, what are you thinking? What, what's what's uh, happening through this whole process? <laughs> uh, I get the ball in my hands, man, and I see green grass. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the end zone. Uh, as I'm running, you know, I see a guy from the, my peripheral. Um, and uh, I, that kind of forced me back inside. But now that I'm looking at the film, you know, would have, wish I would have stayed outside, but uh, I get the opportunity again, and I, I capitalize on it. Did you go and say something to my man right here, Big Dog, Roger Saffold, <laughs> coming down the field with you? you see that? Yeah, I see Rob busting his, busting his tail, man. A lot of guys down there getting around the ball, making sure uh, you know that I was able to make the play on that. Uh, you know, it was definitely a team effort. I didn't do that. I didn't do that by myself at all. Um, you know, starting with the snap, QB um, delivering me a ball, um, easy to catch. And uh, getting up field and, and making something happen with both my hands. Big thing for me in seeing this is, is seeing you in the open field and being able to pull away. Yeah. After that knee injury, because you, yeah. you did it last year yeah, in Houston, yeah, now you're yeah. doing it again. Yeah. How are you as far as that process? Is that just like old news, completely done with? Yeah, man. I, I don't even think about it. I go out there and play. Um, I don't think about it because I think it'll slow me down. Um, you know, I just go out there and play as if it never happened. And um, I'm going to try to execute at the, at the highest level uh, that I can. It's funny, I talked to Coach Smith, and he said uh, because he's a former tight end coach, everyone thinks that he's always drawing stuff up for tight ends. But <laughs> here it is with this play. Um, yeah. When that play is called for you, what's what's your uh, – like, how do you go through the whole process? Nah, Some I'm, guys get too hyped. Other guys are just – I mean, you come across as, like, real low-key. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, nah, um, just just make a play. You know, I hear my number called. I just try to capitalize on it. As everybody doing this locker room, man, that's why we're here. Um, you know, just to have that confidence that when you get the ball, <laughs> when you get the ball, uh, you know, when you get the ball in our hands, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make it happen. So. so that was John U. Smith. A good breakdown there, and like I said, it was good to see him pull away. It's funny because like, when you're in that situation, it, it, it's like, it, and you see that guy, you're like, all right, you gotta decide: am I gonna outrace him to the end zone? Or am I going to curve this run to try to outrace him from this side to the to that side of the end zone? Unfortunately for Delaney, you know, or excuse me, Johnu, Delaney's on my mind, man. I'm trying to think of ways to get to get uh, D Love to football, apparently. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tough situation, though. It's too bad he didn't score because that was one of the trips into uh, into the red zone. I think when well, they got to the 22 yard line. And I, they didn't come away with points. Can't have that. It's not going to work. As far as the Broncos' defense is concerned, there are a lot of good things about this defense. Yeah, they're giving up a lot of runs. You know, they're giving up rushing yards. Like, teams are able to run the ball against them. However, I, I think when you look at pass defense, I think they're a strong unit that way. Uh, we talked about the TE stunts. Listen, NFL is a copycat league. Expect to see Derek Wolf inside getting busy. And that dude is just what his last name is, man. You, you know, Will Compton and Taylor want to like use that word wolf. Well, this guy is a wolf enough to where that's that's what his last name is. And watch him and, and you know, Malik Reed, number 59. You, you'll see them running stunts like with the, with the linebackers. Watch Von Miller, of course, who is a holy terror. Right, and that's kind of the treatment that Harold Landry got, the, the Von Miller treatment during training camp. But you see the real version, and, and Von Miller, I don't care if he has two sacks or not, that dude is still legit. And 
the um, Vic Fangio talked a little bit about him. And he said that actually in his scheme, he's going to rush the passer even more. Should equal more sacks as Harold Landry and I talked about. Sacks come in bunches. You get into your groove. It's just a matter of time till he gets into that groove. So, Taylor Lewan, got your hands full. Jack Conklin, you got your hands full. Because Vaughn Miller rushes from both sides now. And one of the things I saw some of the teams do against Von Miller is because of that 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 rush that he gets and that jump that he gets, a lot of times he'll beat you early, right? He'll beat you right away. To keep a tackle from panicking, there are times where they have the guard peel back and just get that that little that help. Now, of course, in peeling back, you have to worry about the guy in front of you, so there's other things you have to do scheme-wise, but I think that's something that you can do. Now, of course, if you peel back to help, Von Miller has a spin move now. So if that guard peels back to give that outside help, that that tackle has to be ready to reset and and handle the spin move. So that's something else to watch. And and best believe Von Miller's spin move is something that these Titans running backs are looking at too. Watch them today, and they actually did a lot against uh, during individual period. Coach Dews was working with them as far as how to handle the spin move. So just a little tidbit from practice on Wednesday. And um, speaking of practice on Wednesday, Rod Sm- Rob Smith is an addition. I tell you, that is that guy, he's all right. Big, that bam was big, man. He's 6'3", 235. He stood next to uh, Derrick Henry, and I was like, oh, twins. <laughs> they both are big guys. And it was interesting because you actually saw him. Now, again, it's individual period, so don't get crazy. I'm not saying that he's the fullback, but you saw him working a little bit. Uh, and he's done it before. So I could imagine seeing him. And now he's someone, you look at other teams, right, the 49ers, Kyle Juszczyk, covering the Ravens. I hated typing that name. So just mentioning Juszczyk, it kind of gives me bad memories. But – he went down, but before he went down, they really used him as far as clearing stuff out and even gave him the ball out of the backfield. I wonder if that's something that Art Smith, because he said he's never afraid to see what someone else is doing and kind of pull that and loop it into what, what he needs to do. We'll see if they get Rob Smith involved that way. You know who his, his brother is, right, his younger brother? Jalen Smith. Yeah. Yeah, they were together. He wore 45, Jalen Smith wore 54 in the league, man. Pretty dope, man. Pretty dope when they were with the Cowboys. But uh yeah, it's I think he's a he's a guy that could help this team. We'll see. You know, the last time I said that about a fullback, <laughs> the next week he was up out of there. So, I'm hoping, you know what I mean, that's not the same fate for Rob Smith, who obviously is not a true fullback. He's just a running back. However, Getting back on course, man, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, those are very good safeties. Kareem Jackson obviously played for uh, Mike Vrabel in in Houston, and I I think you know him converting to safety is a good thing for him. He's physical. He will come up and make plays against the run. Justin Simmons, you talk about range. It must be something with that number 31. You just have to have range to play safety and wear 31, I guess, reference to Kevin Byard. The rest of the defense, like I said, man – yeah, it's corners. You got Chris Harris, so I, I'll say that. But outside of Chris Harris, it's questionable. Duke Dawson was a guy out of Florida I thought was really good. Um, he bounced from the Patriots. They they didn't sign 
they released him, and now he's in Denver. Devontae Bosby, that's good, uh, good corner. He was in Philly, and then he came here. He just got hurt, so he's not going to be around, and that's why they signed Cody Sensiball. I think this is a secondary that could be defeated. They just have to neutralize Von Miller. If they can neutralize Von Miller, Derek Wolf up front, they could cook with some hot fish grease. It's just going to take neutralizing them. And uh, getting Corey Davis the ball, man, get him the ball. A.J. Brown, get him the ball. Get all your playmakers the ball, which also means Derrick Henry needs to carry it. As Calvin's head shakes from yes and down, yes, up and down, yes to, all right. <laughs> but that's it for the offense. We're going to go ahead to a break. We're going to come back with Calvin's corner. Let's see what Calvin has, what nuggets he has for us. Artificial intelligence is taking over the world. How can I help you today? So put it to work for you. Your appointment is at 9 a.m. Ask Alexa to enable 1025 The Game. Okay. Once enabled, Alexa, play 1025 The Game. The future is here. Let me help you with that. Ask Alexa to enable 1025 The Game. Play, let it play. <laughs> Where do they say on the field? Let it roll, let it roll, let it roll. Talking with TD. Back from the break. Offense and defense breakdowns. Now it's time to take another perspective at all things Titans. We are going to fire up the analytics. <laughs> uh, here we go. And, and and before we go to Calvin's corner, I would imagine things got a little hot on Calvin's corner, in Calvin's mind, rather, <laughs> <laughs> when I asked Mike Vrabel about analytics. Oh, yeah. I, I saw your just, tweet. Yeah, I could just feel the fire and it was funny because Rabel was like all right now that that's is, is that a good is that for your analytics and I'm sitting there like my guy listen I'm not an analytics person but the number said this and you did that and I actually have some really good numbers because I feel like it has to be addressed because this is a situation where the analytics paint a very clear picture. Mm. I mean, from all angles, that kick, the decision to give Cairo Santos the kick there seems to be pretty bad. But the analytics are pretty strongly in favor of going forward on fourth downs in a lot of situations. You see the Ravens taking advantage of that a lot this season. The but, Colts. Yes, the Colts as well, especially against the Titans. But I went back into the data, and I looked back, and this is one of the three nuggets I have for today. So we're going to kind of take this in bite-sized chunks today. But the Titans, in situations where they have to gain three, four, Uh or five yards, they have gained four or more yards 75% of the time this season. Mm -mm -mm. 75 to run. So you're like, okay, well maybe Cairo Santos has just been deadly from 50-plus in his career. Well, sadly... Cairo Santos has only hit 53% of his kicks from 50-plus in his career. So the numbers on that decision, the infamous decision that's going to go down this season to give Cairo Santos the opportunity to kick that field goal, 
the analytics don't agree with him. And that's no shocker to anyone who keeps up with analytics because going forward on fourth downs are really advantageous. I've stood behind Mike Vrabel when he's chosen to do that, even Mm -hmm. in some questionable times. But I'm going to stand behind my numbers, and when Mike Vrabel goes with it, go with it. He just made the wrong decision there in a really critical spot because the payoff there, could do any of us believe that team would have crossed midfield again confidently? No. (laughs) No, we don't. So that is my first nugget for Calvin's Corner today. Second thing, you were talking about Roger Saffold in the last second and him and Taylor Lewan. And this comes from ESPN. Seth Walder of ESPN Analytics tweeted this one out. Currently this season, Roger Saffold ranks 57th out of 70 ranked guards in terms of pass block win rate this season. Yeah, Meaning pass block win rate is when, how long, when you hold your block for two and a half seconds. And if the defender gets by you, that counts as a loss. And then in week five against the Bills, that was Roger Saffold's worst game of the season in terms of pass blocking win rate. And I think that makes a little bit of sense when you talk about the context of him having Taylor Lewan back for the first game and you blew the whistle on the maintenance days and it all just kind of makes sense for a lot of new things, a lot of new parts to put together combined with a good Bills defense results in Roger Saffold's work pass blo- worst pass blocking game of this season. I tell you what's crazy. You mentioned the, the pass block win rate and Saffold was pretty good he was one of the top guards last year yeah he was 27th overall oh, i'll bring the, i'll bring the numbers yeah now. yeah i'll bring the stat pack there we go so he was 27th <laughs> overall last year this year he's 111th overall he's winning 87.3 percent of his pass blocks which the year before it was oh my editors took it out it was it was in an it, it was he dropped about 10 percent I say that close oh, between eight to ten percent. So yeah, Rods, what's going on? And he just he mentioned the the newness and being able to put his own twist on. Yeah, it. we'll see what happens there. But I I'm glad you mentioned the pass block win rate. Yeah. you know, brand you know endorse the brand. Only he is only ESPN has that stat. Yeah. nobody else even has an algorithm that comes anything close to calculating that. So ESPN they've got it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. In addition to the next gen videos, the animations exactly. that you see on game day, so be sure to continue to tune in for those. But good uh, nugget number 2. Let's what we got for number 3. So, I'm going to start this one off with a statement to you Toronto, and I want to see first if you agree with it because I read this and kind of thought I see it and I see it to an extent, but I want to see what Teron, my film guy, has to say. Play zone to make the quarterback beat you. Play man to make the wide receivers beat you. Uh, I would play zone to make the quarterback beat you. Yeah. However, the Falcons did that, and yep, he beat the breaks off of them. Yes. So, I I, I kind of like okay, I see it, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that's like an end all be all rule of thumb. But Brian Burke from ESPN also tweeted this one out, and I thought it was a nugget worth sharing. This season against man coverage, Marcus Mariota is the 11th best quarterback in the NFL in terms of expected points added. Mm -hmm. He's been better than Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady against Mm. man coverage this season. Mm. But then you go and take a look at him in zone. And this expected points added algorithm is literally like how many points on average you're getting plus or minus on each play. Mm -hmm. 
So on plays where Marcus Mariota passes against zone pa- against zone coverage, the Titans are losing points when Mariota has passed against zone coverage this season. He's I'm just sure. a hair under zero, but he's still been negative on the season against zone coverage. And I read that rule on Twitter. It was tweeted by you know someone fairly reputable. I can't remember who it was right now off the top of my head, but it, it made me get to thinking, how has Marcus Mariota been so good against man this season? But against zone, it's been a completely different story. Despite a lot of times against zone, Marcus carved him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't call that one. But I will say, they have the horses to win, man. Absolutely. Go ahead, go, go ahead and play play that little firefly one-on-one if you want to. Adam Humphrey, he's going to cut you up. Oh, make yeah. you look stupid. You know, Corey Davis has ability. A.J. Brown has ability. Tajay Sharp, listen. In addition to being a, a a guy who could get open across the middle, he has a thing for running those deep outbreaking routes. Mm-hmm. And I, boy, I tell you, <laughs> somebody did. Tyler Lockett had a had a, a catch where he kept his toes in and he just kind of faded as mm-hmm. he fell. Yep. And they faded the the video from Tyler Lockett to to Michael Jackson and that video smooth criminal yeah, yeah. sharp is doing the same thing. yeah <laughs> we had one of those in the pre or in the training camp too he had a couple yeah actually one of the one-handed ones at the sideline and then one in the corner i think it was on malcolm butler don't quote me on that though but looking at quarterbacks against man and zone like deshaun watson is significantly better against zone tom brady better against zone so i kind of saw this trend of like a lot of really really good quarterbacks are obviously good in both but a lot of the really, really good ones absolutely carve up zone coverage. And this is just based on this season so far. It's not taking out a whole macro level right. thing. But so far this season, that's what it's showing. And I found that really interesting about Marcus Mariota struggling against zone this year. And a lot of that comes with quick reads. Yeah. You know, what he's seeing, where guys are moving right off the snap. Yeah. And you have to be able to see that. And before we started the show, Right, we went over the play breakdown yep. and how you change your your uh, your your reads, like the progressions yep. when a team rolls from cover two to cover four. You know, two deep to four deep, and there's different things. But I don't know, man. It, it's that's a great mystery. You know what? I'm gonna have to ask Marcus about that. Yeah, unfortunately, won't get to talk to him until Sunday. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll try to grab. I'll see if I could grab him walking through the locker room. Yeah, just kind of stand sure. by his locker, you know, <laughs> whistle and kick one of my feet back and forth like I'm doing nothing. Hey, Mark, I just happened to stumble my way over here <laughs> yeah, while <yeah>. I'm here. <laughs> Put my hand in my pocket, my head down, and do that. But yeah, I, that that's a good. That's a good. I need to uh, definitely ask him about that. So we will have that answer coming on Twitter or on the next talking with TD. Well, that's a talking with TD exclusive. Yeah. There we hey. go. So that's the segment, Calvin's Corner. We're going to go ahead and put a bow around this after we pay a few more bills. We'll be right back. Hey, Nashville. This is Jeff Fisher, and you're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. All right, back from the break for the final segment, talking with TD. Just got off of Calvin's Corner. We're going to look at the kickers. <laughs> funny story, man, funny story. You you never want to see anybody fail, so I'm not making fun of the failures that Carol Santos had. But I will tell you something funny, man. On Monday, 
I'm walking to to the um, to the front door, and I, I walk by the the gate to get into the players' parking lot, and a truck pulls up, and I peek in there, and it's Carol Santos. He gets to the to the gate to hit his numbers, and he hits it, and it doesn't work. I instantly turned my head and was like, "Hmm." <laughs> It didn't work, but then he he punched it in the second time and it worked. He probably just had the numbers distorted. But rest assured, when I saw that first attempt not go, I was like, oh, dead gum. I, I might be writing the story sooner than I think. But uh, unfortunately for Santos, you know, the four misses, uh, three, one of them was blocked. Unfortunately for him, that cost him his opportunity to play football here in Nashville. And as a result, Cody Parkey is here. 83.9% on field goals, 99 out of 118 last year. Obviously, doink, doink is something that he never wants to hear again. And that was a tough loss. We know it uh, to, to the Bear, uh, excuse me, to the Eagles, right? His former team, the team he set the rookie record for points with. Unfortunately, the life of a kicker can go up and down very quickly. We just saw. Mike Vrabel saying, hey, I have all the confidence in, in Carol Santos. The next day, you know, Santos is unemployed. I think Parkey has the right mentality, the right mindset, the right approach. When asked about, you, you know, turning the page, he, he said perseverance, one word, perseverance. And then he also said his confidence is still high. He knows he's had success before. The guy's made, he made it to a Pro Bowl. He was actually an alternate because Steven Guskowski went to the Super Bowl, so he replaced Steven Guskowski. But he also said never stay defeated and put your best foot forward. I think that's probably the best thing a kicker could say, right? Put your best foot forward. But I want to see how this situation works. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You, you know, the, the Broncos have a really good kicker in McManus. Let's see if Parkey can match him if need be. We'll see what happens there. So – that's the good part of it. We mentioned Santos. We had the joke. We talked about Parky in his place. I don't care who you are. You're not immune from it. Let me get that music. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. All right, it's time to blow that whistle. You know how on a Monday night football, or not on Monday night football, on Saturdays, uh, Maria Taylor, uh, she has the segment, uh, her and David Pollock, and what do they say? You had one job. Carol Santos, you had one job. One. 36-yarder, you got to make that. I understand some things happen, and, it, it, it you know, your swing wasn't as smooth as it normally. You got to make that. 36 yards, chip shot. 50-yarder, got to make that. 53-yarder, I get it. You got an opportunity you may not have. <laughs> earned, you know what I mean? But I'm blowing the whistle on Carol Santos. I hate to kick a man when he's down, but I like to keep it real more. So, Carol Santos, this week I'm blowing the whistle. Hope everything is good for you. But Cody Parkey is here now. Let's see what happens. Team lost by a touchdown, and he left 12 points on the board. Unacceptable. That's the show this week. We are on the road to Denver Saturday. We'll be there Sunday, of course, back on Monday. Talking with TD, I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure you also listen to Chase and TD. We'll be on the air for that as well. Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. All right, we are out of here. Thanks for tuning in. God bless and good night.